But the primary way that a company like Mkopa would contribute to the creation of a middle class is through the support of Uganda's digitization goals. Welcome back, Patriots, to the podcast on Uganda's segment on sectors. This seeks to bring you insights on what fuels the wheels of Uganda's economy. We are in luck today. We have just the right person whose organization has provided over $1 billion in credit and enabled 3 million customers to access smartphones, solar power systems, digital loans, health insurance, and the list goes on. But before we dig into it, today's episode is brought to you by Motive, a hub of creativity and innovation that believes in the power of your ideas. So come by, check it out. Dear Patriots. With your host, Aggie Patricia Terwamli. Today's guest is Juan de Francisco Rashid. Welcome to the podcast. He joined MCOPA as the group head of strategy, is now the general manager. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. This episode has been a long time coming. I tried to reach out to you when the FT listed you as one of the fastest growing companies in Africa. And I thought we need to bring you (laughs) on the podcast. How do you get listed? as one of the fastest growing companies? That's a great question. So MCOPA started well over a decade ago. And essentially what we're trying to do is solve a problem where there's a lot of people who want to have access to the same goods or services that you or I have access to, but they might not be able to afford it. But this affordability challenge is one that's not really being well served by existing financial institutions. So we've tried to create a system where we have created a unique form of lending that is designed to help the underserved communities that actually form the majority of our populations in the parts of the world that we live in, in Africa. The way we do it is we try and create something that works for them. In doing so, in a way, we've almost guaranteed our own growth, right? Because we've created a product that is desirable, that is uh, flexible and friendly to the customer. And so for most of the customers that we speak to, it's almost a no-brainer to take up our service or product because we've tried to do everything that we can to tailor it towards their needs and their desires. Okay. More than a decade later, we're now in a very privileged position where we are growing very quickly, but we're also growing sustainably. So when the Financial Times recognized us as one of the fastest growing companies in Africa, I think it was two or three years in a row, that was an accolade that I think is a reflection of the hard work that my team and other teams have been putting into the the work that we do at MCOPA. Right. Your approach for people who watch movies, there's so many times that you hear a grad student talking about their scorecard data who might not have an idea. What does that mean or apply here? Great. A credit score is basically a score that a financial institution or a similar related institution will give based on how credit worthy they think you are. The problem that our customers have is many people do not have a credit score because in order to get one, you have to start having a certain type of expenditure and a certain type of income. But if you look at the majority of people, particularly in Uganda, although this is very relevant for other African countries as well, people will typically have informal incomes. And so they might not have a credit score. This means that they are essentially shut out from the ability to get access to credit, to get access to loans. And so it's relevant for us because we actually don't look at customers' credit scores. You don't need a credit score to get an MCOPA product or service. And that's one of the reasons why we have been able to scale. 
if you don't mind, which ones are the products? The most popular product is a smartphone that you can get on a pay-as-you-go basis. Mm -hmm. So typically you'll pay a, you'll put a small down payment to basically show commitment towards repaying the smartphone. But crucially, from day one, you'll get access to the smartphone. Then you pay the rest back over a period of time. That can be anything from three to 12 months that you'd repay back that smartphone. Right. Now, we don't only sell smartphones. We used to be a pretty big player in solar home systems. We also have pilots with electric motorcycles. And then also we have digital financial services. So if you take the smartphone as an example, as you're paying it back, you basically are showing us that you're committed to repaying that first loan. And if you can show that repayment, that commitment, then that gives us the confidence to be able to give you access to other products or services. On top of that, then, if you've paid back or if you've started to pay back well that first loan, we would then be able to give you a cash loan or an insurance product or an education sort of school fees loan. So that really opens up the book of different products and services that we can and have started to offer in addition to that first product. Yeah. And isn't it the other way, what we are used to here in Uganda, that you get to pay first and then get the exactly. get the asset later? Yeah. So now you guys have the post-paid system. Yeah. So the way you do it is either you get it on cash, right? Yeah. Or you save it up yourself. Yeah. Or you go to a shop and you actually make sort of small payments until you've actually paid for the, the device. But if you look at, let's say, the average consumer, the majority of people in Africa earn less than $5.50 a day. Yeah. So if you do the math here, if you're in that position and if you're has able... That, has that gone up? I think it was $1 a day, the human <laughs> development index. I also remember that, but I think the it has gone up. And so it depends on where you cut off the majority, right? So is yeah. the majority 50% or is it 85% or 90%, right? Using that example of, let's say, $5.50 a day. If you're able to save 10% of your total income, right, which is already quite a lot to ask somebody in that position to save, it would take you more than half a year to save up to get your first smartphone, taking the average sort of low-end smartphone of a couple of hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, over the period of that half year, those six months, realistically, the average person would experience income shocks or unexpected expenditures. So that would further push back that goal of getting that first smartphone. And that's the reason why in Uganda, you have around 70% of the population that doesn't have a smartphone. Now that's a problem because whereas you or I probably access the internet for the first time through our computers, for the majority of people in Africa right now, the first time they're going to be able to access the internet is through their smartphone. So if you don't have a smartphone, you don't have access to the internet. If you don't have access to the internet, then you're shut out from this global trend that we have seen and that has been accelerated because of COVID towards the digital economy. Since you started here with MCOPA, you did uh, build a new sales channel, which acquired over 2,000 or coming to 3,000 new customers, which also generated 500,000 revenue. Now, I can imagine you have been looking out for talent, right, to expand more in uh, the country. For any young person who's listening today, 
Yeah. What should they know to work with MCOPA? What skills do they need? What kind of attitude do they need to be listed or get into <laughs> the MCOPA culture or team? It's a, it's a great question, but also just to correct some of the acquisition numbers that you're quoting, that's actually what we're able to acquire in Uganda, in Uganda, but every three or four days. Yeah. We're acquiring, so we're acquiring more than a thousand customers a day onto on our platform. That is great. It's been pretty phenomenal. So when I first moved to Uganda in 2018, mm-hmm. we were acquiring about a thousand customers a month. Now we're able to acquire that in a single day. That kind of shows the demand for the type of product That's that we true. are able to offer. But your question was about talent and people who want to join a company like Mcopa. To answer that question, it depends on at what stage of your career you're joining, whether you're joining from campus or from another job. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're joining from campus. I think it's very helpful to have people who have not just excelled academically, but also showed the ability to take up other things, right? It's extracurriculars. One of the things I look at in a CV is, and I actually find this as a sort of pretty common thing when I look at CVs in Uganda, mm-hmm. many CVs tell me what you did in your position, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like you could read that CV as a job description. I don't want to see that. Yeah. I want to see instead your accomplishments, right? What are the areas or the moments where you went above and right? Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at it in terms of somebody coming out of campus, it's okay, you studied, great. I would expect that given you're coming from campus. But where did you excel, right? Or where did you go beyond just the academics? So did you, for example, start up a society or did you intern? And then if you take that sort of mindset to somebody who's already well into their career, it's actually pretty similar, right? I would expect to be seeing people who have not just done a couple of jobs, but who have within those jobs excelled. So we we try and set the bar pretty high in terms of hiring. So I think somebody who can go above and beyond is helpful. The other thing is obviously no negotiation. We need people who are ethical. We have a culture of very high trust within MCOPA. We delegate a lot of authority and a lot of decision-making. And so the flip side is we need to be able to trust our employees. Mm -hmm. And so we do look for integrity as one of the no negotiations in hiring. Then the final thing, but certainly not the least important, is culture. So for me, culture is another non-negotiable. We do not tolerate brilliant assholes at Mkopa, right? Like, it's really important that you fit in and that you collaborate and work with others. And, and that's absolutely essential. We've made mistakes before, but we try to do our best through the interview process to make sure that you are somebody who is approachable, somebody who is willing to work with others, somebody who is able to fit in within a culture that is high performing, but also mutually supportive. Okay, guys, I hope you're taking notes and can apply this to the next job you hope to get or at the job you're at right now. Juan here was once in the UK civil service as a policy analyst. So now he's here in Uganda. And recently, MCOPA did close over $250 million in debt and equity round. The most recent episode with Teddy, he mentions that he did get funding for his mass brand. But he went to every bank in this country to get capital. But that was a challenge. Have you faced any situation like this for MCOPA or have you heard of anything like this? And what would your recommendations be? Of course, access to capital is one of the biggest challenges that people face in this continent. And certainly MCOPA is not immune to that. 
One of the things that we've noticed, though, in terms of sort of investment trends over the last couple of years, is that although total investments might have slowed down inflows into African investment vehicles, we've seen what we call a flight to quality. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe five, ten years ago, there was a lot of emphasis on growth at all costs. Right. And so people didn't, they might not really have cared about the fundamentals of the business beneath it or the ability to show profitability. But now we've seen because of the problems that a lot of companies have faced with regards to profitability, that financial sustainability is more important. And so this flight to quality is something that has actually helped Mkopa when it comes to seeking investment. So coming back to your question about what advice I'd give is, it's not enough just to show a business plan for growth, it's really important to be able to show a concrete plan that will get you towards financial sustainability. I think the days where you could just continue to raise money, continue to fundraise to sustain further growth and push back this goal of profitability indefinitely, those days are certainly over, at least for now. Do you envision the future to look like I have no idea. If I did, then I'd probably be a multi-billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> In Ugandan settings. Yeah. Right? What changes do you hope to happen that businesses like Mkopa can then thrive? Yeah. I think before I talk about Mkopa, maybe more generally, what is my hope yeah. here is, I don't know if people know this, but on average, African countries have to pay higher interest rates than non-African countries. Even once you correct for risk ratings, fundamental macroeconomic trends, and so on, I mean, it's basically there is this almost systemic challenge that is imposed upon African economies. And if a if an African country has a higher interest rate than a non-African country, then obviously that then trickles down to the bank's ability to lend. And so my vision or my hope is that can be corrected as soon as possible because it is completely unfair, right? It's almost as if this continent is not quite shut out, but as if there's a, somebody has put a sort of added weight onto the countries and the people within these countries. So my vision or my hope is that weight gets lifted as, as soon as possible. Yeah, that's to the continent AU, but to Uganda. To Uganda. I think Uganda had a sort of history of really good growth and development, particularly in the 90s. It seems like a lot of that has slowed down recently. If you look at other markets like, like Kenya or Rwanda, they're, they're developing, I'd say, at a, at a faster rate. Where you also have a footprint. Yes, yeah, because I travel quite a lot, especially between Kenya and Uganda. I, I can compare the two markets and Kenya is developing at a certainly a much faster rate. Now, obviously, development does come with its downsides. I'm happy to talk about that. But my hope is that people in Uganda get the opportunities that they deserve. You have such a high rate of population growth here. You have so many people coming out of campus. And yet there's simply not enough high-quality jobs for all of them, right? <laughs> well, as much as you can celebrate the fact that Ugandans are entrepreneurs, and I think I do think that's fantastic... It's not like many people are entrepreneurs out of choice, right? It's um, a necessity. It's a necessity, right? 
So I'd love for people to be able to get the same opportunities that I had coming out of campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very cryptic. There's policymakers who listen to these podcasts, especially because we bring on leaders like in, in different sectors mm -hmm. who know the challenges. Yeah, sometimes one of the guests said, yeah, a policymaker probably has no or over what, you know, they're drafting or blah, blah. But I think it's worth coming up with something that's going to bring about real change. And you spoke a lot about sustainability from the start of this cast. What does sustainability mean for MCOPA? Probably the easiest way to answer that is to split it into two categories, right? There's environmental sustainability and there's financial sustainability. So I've talked a fair bit about financial sustainability. Yeah. And really that's profitability. Yeah. Right? MCOPA is not a charity organization that receives donor funding. Yeah. And so we have to achieve profitability, and that's really important so that we can continue to provide the products and services that we do. And then environmental sustainability, well, that's a whole different topic. Mm. The very first time I had of MCOPA, mm. I had of the solar panels you were offering to farmers. I don't remember what district it was, but maybe you yeah. can give us a few on where you're operating in Uganda. Sure. And then you can tell us about the associations of these uh, communities you're empowering. We are available almost across Uganda from Gulu, Fort Portal, Kasese, Hoima, Kabale, Chisoro. Almost every corner of the country we have operations and footprints. We try to be as distributed as possible. Our history was initially in offering solar home systems. So we'd offer solar panels, batteries, lights, radios, even solar TVs, solar fridges at one point. That is how we started. But since then, we've evolved into more concentrated, but also more open products that we offer. And solar was something that obviously we're grateful for because it formed the first decade or so of our growth. But we have since moved on from offering just solar. Okay. So what are you offering now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, the, the, the primary product is, is, is smartphone, smartphone. Uh, financing, um, digital financial services, uh, e-bikes. Uh, and we have a couple of other things that we're also developing. You know what got me really excited? Because we are in the business to figure out what fuels the wheels of our economy and also how then we can achieve a middle class economy. Mm. I saw a few stats on how your company employs nearly 2,000 people across Africa. Yeah. Obviously, with that, then people develop their human index, like we mentioned at the start, and they're able to have better livelihoods. So in your opinion, how would we achieve a middle-class economy from your operations here in Uganda? Yeah, so it's true. In Copa, we employ about 2,000 full-time employees in Africa. Mm -hmm. We also have well over 10,000 direct sales representatives mm -hmm. who also earn their primary livelihoods from MCOPA. Mm -hmm. But the primary way that a company like MCOPA would contribute to the creation of a middle class is through the support of Uganda's digitization goals. Right? It's well known within Uganda that part of our development is linked to our ability to digitize our economy. And you can't digitize an economy unless people are able to access the internet. Right. As I was saying earlier, for you and me, we would probably start off with a laptop. Yeah. Right. But for most people, accessing the internet means getting a smartphone. 
it's roughly five times cheaper to get a smartphone than it is to get a laptop. It requires far less in terms of education or skills to be able to use a smartphone versus a laptop. And also, a smartphone is just easier to use when you're out country than a laptop. It's less likely to break down and so on. And so much of what people are able to do on the internet is now primarily being delivered through a smartphone. Through our form of asset financing, we are able to shrink the affordability barrier that currently exists to getting a smartphone by offering it on a pay-as-you-go basis. Mm, wonderful. And now a little talk about the circular economy. What's MCOPA's commitment? We have a huge commitment there. We are the first company to set up local assembly of smartphones in Kenya. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We've done well over 100,000 smartphones, and we're the first to develop a factory, essentially. What that allows us to do then is also refurbish smartphones, right? So if a typical customer would have a smartphone for two to four years, we're able to then, if they want to give it back to us, upgrade them to a better smartphone, but take that old smartphone back, refurbish it, repair the screen if need be, replace the battery if need be, uh, fix any components within it, and then sell it to somebody who doesn't mind having a second-hand smartphone as their first smartphone mm -hmm. at a cheaper discounted price. That is essentially the definition of a circular economy, taking a product, uh, offering it to somebody so that they can get utility from it for a couple of years, and then taking it back, cleaning it up so that it can go to somebody else um, at a cheaper price. Oftentimes we listen to uh, brands speak about different, mm. um, um, they don't particularly partake in actually walking that talk, but that's great that MCOPA is doing that. It's very easy for us to incorporate that because it's one of those great examples where it's good for the environment. Mm -hmm. It's good for the customer. Yeah. Therefore, it's good for us. Yeah. Right? right? It's good for the environment. It's good for the customer. Definitely, it's good for MCOPA. That's yeah. brilliant to hear. Just to hear about your long-term partnerships because you do not produce or manufacture these offerings. What are your partnerships like? Sure. We have partnerships with some of the largest telecommunication operators within the continent. Yeah. So Safaricom, MTN, Airtel are some of the examples. And we have a relatively symbiotic relationship with them. Yeah. Telecommunication providers have invested a lot in 4G and now even 5G services. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a country where 70% of the population doesn't have a smartphone, then they're not able to use that, right? So the way that we see our place within the telecommunication ecosystem is we are helping them make it easier for customers to move from 2G feature phones to 4G and I guess now 5G smartphones. So that's a, a relatively, I think, mutually helpful partnership. Then we also partner with the mobile phone manufacturers, right? Samsung and, and Nokia are the two biggest brands that we currently sell. We have also sold other brands as well. And for them, the mutual benefit is they see this huge opportunity in Africa, mm -hmm. but they see a challenge of affordability, yeah. right? And there's only so cheap that you can make a smartphone before the quality starts disintegrating or deteriorating, you know? <laughs> exactly. I, you see those very low-end smartphones that will not last six months, right? So for a company like Nokia or Samsung, they want to sell high-quality smartphones within Africa. They want to be able to service the African population but there's an affordability gap. And so we come in to help shrink our financing. Yeah, absolutely. 
So we work very closely with the manufacturers and it's actually quite beneficial because through our 10,000 sales agents, through our 3 million customers, we're able to get quite a lot of feedback yeah. about what the African consumer wants from a smartphone. Yeah. So then we can also feed that back to the mobile phone manufacturers and influence the types of smartphones that we're purchasing. Sorry, what? Are you using cookies to aggregate this data or? No, 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 no. The information that we'd get is usually through surveys, through anecdotal evidence from field visits. Okay. It'd be probably more old school with yeah, our approach. <laughs> even though you get a lot of data from your platform. Well, when we sell a smartphone, we, we have no ability to see what apps a customer is using. No, no, like you, yeah. Don't you have an MCOPA app? Yes. Oh, yeah. But the MCOPA app allows us to lock or yeah. unlock the device. From a communications point of view, we get that kind of data to help us make decisions, especially yeah. for strategy, but understandable. And now, before we go, <laughs> I'm excited to hear about your future plans, expansion. Yeah. What should we look forward to? Well, we are about to launch our South Africa market. Oh. So that's going to be our fifth market. Okay. So that's Kenya, Uganda, Ghana, Nigeria, and... By the end of this year, South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? It's super exciting. Yeah. So good luck with South Africa. Thank you very much. And good, good luck with all your endeavors. Oh my God, what a boring episode without talking about Mr. Matatu. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, listen, Juan is a general manager of MCOPA. He was once a policy analyst, a business analyst at McKinsey. But guys, he is a DJ on the continent, Mr. Matatu. <laughs> Why are you a DJ? I love music. I really, really, really love <laughs> he music. He got into the studio and he was just checking out all the equipment in the place. And he thought, this is the shit. And I thought, okay. This is a very impressive studio. Yeah. <laughs> What's it? Thank you so much. What kind of audience is exciting to play for? Simply put, the audience that dances. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'd say the audience that dances. And also, I think the audience that isn't afraid to listen to new types of music. I have heard a DJ say once before that I don't like people who keep asking for songs. <laughs> it, I, I think there's kind of two schools of thought there. Mm -hmm. Number one, it, it, it can be disruptive if you've got a preset uh, list of songs that you want to perform uh, for people to say, hey, play Burna Boy or whatever, right? But on the other hand, I, I think the point of DJing is to connect with the audience. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes song requests can be helpful because it allows you to know what the audience is once rather than just having to guess. Yeah. But you have to balance it also, right? Because yeah. you want to connect with the music that people want to hear, but you also want to introduce them to new forms of music. Yeah. This is an excellent note to end. Where can we find you? Probably in the gym or in the nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> This non-social nomad. I thought he was going to tell me, oh, find me on LinkedIn, find me on Twitter. Uh, One, where can the listeners follow up <laughs> with you? Yeah, on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, Juan, thank you so much. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Give us your feedback. We're on Facebook, on Uganda Podcast and Instagram. If you're looking for any other communication solutions or you'd like to be hosted on this platform, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Aggie Patricia Turomwe and Aggie Patricia on Twitter.